0: On today's Winning Cures Everything, Iowa is looking for a new AD. We got Big Ten issues, the latest on the Pac-12, USC's AD situation, ACC revenue model, and a whole lot more. What's
1: the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
0: And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Can you believe it? It's football. I've been
2: watching it for 40 years. Are you kidding
1: me? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything
0: game day baby wake up or get out here's your host my confident young man a superb athlete gary Seegers. <laughs> welcome back to winning cures everything powered by BetUS, us where the game begins this is where we talk college football news and rumors all year round i'm gary Seegers. you can follow me on twitter at gary wce and this is the friday May 26th edition of the show. It's Season 8, Episode 30. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, first, thank you, of course. And if you would, so kindly hit that like button, and uh, and whether you're watching or listening to the podcast, hit subscribe so you never miss the latest tales from the College Football Universe. Now, first off, happy Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully, all of you enjoy a longer-than-usual weekend filled with cookouts and barbecues as we Get ready to head into the summer months. We're going to be doing a lot of college football previewing uh, in the few months ahead. But right now, we got a lot to discuss in the world of college football, so let's go ahead and get to it. Uh, Write our times down. Of course, you guys understand how this works. It's a one-man operation. Iowa is looking for a new athletics director. Now, I texted Parker and Kyle from the BetUS U.S. College Football Show this morning. I said, what happened to make Kirk Ferentz fire Gary Barta this morning? Now, obviously, that was in jest, as Barta is, or I guess was, the boss. Ferentz is just the football coach, but that is what it's felt like over the past few years watching that athletic department. Like, Barta is only 59 years old, which feels a bit early to be retiring, but he has been the AD at Iowa for 17 years, making him the second-longest-tenured AD in the Big Ten behind Ohio State's Gene Smith. Uh, He'll officially step down on August 1st. Now, if you look at what Iowa has done in... You know, the revenue sports, men's and women's basketball. Uh, This is, you know, and and football, of course. This is one of the most successful athletic departments, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country as well. So somebody is walking into what should be perceived as a pretty well oiled machine. Uh, Barta did say this decision didn't come suddenly, nor did it come without significant thought, discussion, and prayer. As I've reflected, I came to the conclusion that there's never a good time to step away because there's always more to be done. That said, I'm confident this is the right time for me and my family. Now, the gist that I'm getting from reading everything is that this has been the plan for quite some time. This is not just some reaction to all the gambling stuff that's going on that has, I believe, implicated like 26 athletes at the school, along with all of the other nepotism stuff that's been going on with the uh, the Ferentz's son and father situation. Of course, Kirk Ferentz, the head coach, the offense coordinator, Brian Ferentz, which who's going to be the boss for Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator, because he did report directly to Gary Barta. Hey, this is all going to be interesting, but either way, Pete Dammel's article at ESPN included this. In September, 2022, the school hired Beth Goetz. I hope I'm saying that right. As G-O-E-T-Z, uh, who was the sitting athletic director at Ball State to become the deputy athletic director and chief operating officer at Iowa Uh, Beth was a strong contender for the Wisconsin AD job before it went to Chris McIntosh back in 2021, and she's been talked about highly in Big Ten circles for quite some time. If you listen in on some of that talk, uh, you have heard her name consistently. Now, unlike the Mike Bones situation at USC, which we're going to hit on in a bit, this one feels like it should be pretty seamless and without a lot of drama behind the scenes, right? This was not completely unexpected. Uh, Iowa did say that an interim will be announced next week, so we'll see what the situation brings. Uh, staying on the Big Ten here, whew, we got a lot to talk about this. Pete Thamel wrote an in-depth story earlier in the week about what all-new uh, Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti is having to deal with in his first month on the job. And he's got four main priorities. Uh, one, integrating USC and UCLA into the conference for 2024 exploring the new media rights deal for the expanded college football playoff, focusing on name, image, and likeness and what all that could mean for the conference and, I guess, college football, uh, the whole landscape as a whole. And as we have talked about on the show several months ago, completing that massive television contract that's worth more than $7 billion, which was negotiated by his predecessor, Kevin Warren. Now, an industry source told Damel these deals are not done and they aren't what they were represented to be from the standpoint of the NBC deal uh, and all the availability of all members to participate in November games in primetime. So, to reiterate, the Big Ten does not have completed long-form contracts for the TV deals. There are outstanding issues that apparently need to be resolved, the biggest of which appears to be with NBC's night games and the fact that power schools like Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State don't play night games in November, which I'm not going to lie to you. I, I didn't even really realize was a thing. I know that people had told me that in the past, but if you're not looking for it, it it doesn't appear to be a thing. But it, it does make sense, I suppose, right? Michigan didn't even have lights in their stadium for like 10 years or until about 10 years ago. Uh, with the cold and the snow, it's, it's better for the fans that are traveling uh, to be able to play day games. Right? You don't want to be driving at night on snowy roads three hours back from you know, Columbus or whatever. So, apparently that's not the only thing uh, that's, that's come out of this. Quoting from the article, In 2016, when the Big Ten announced its long-term television deal with Fox and ESPN, the announcement did not include all of the details. One of the things that didn't get disclosed at the time, nor as the new deal was being discussed in recent months, was that the Big Ten network had acquired all of the league's programming rights back in 2016, through an undisclosed date. The length of that deal with the Big Ten Network from 2016 is carried at least through the current deal, which has been announced through the 2029 and 2030 season. So so that explains why Fox was in the negotiating room with the other networks and the Big Ten, right? Because the Big Ten didn't really have anything to sell. All of this is sub-licensing, which means that the Big Ten Championship that NBC got, it, well... Hold on, we'll get to that. Let's let's, let's get to that. On, on top of the night game issue, which we'll touch on more in a bit, you've also got some financial issues going on in the conference, right? Quoting from Thamel's article, Big Ten schools have seen potential revenue disappear the past few months from a contract that was announced back in August as being worth an average of nearly $1 billion per year through the 2029 football season. Now, here's the kicker. More than $70 million in total is suddenly in flux, Nearly $5 million per school, and it has left administrators around the league seeking answers and calling for financial accountability. Now, continuing on, it says there's tens of millions of dollars of value in the NBC primetime deal in flux, as Petiti has been racing to ensure it keeps as much of its original value as possible. Now, Let's not get it twisted, right? This sounds disastrous, but this contract is going to get done. You're already seeing Penn State and Ohio State agree to play night games in November this season, so they're playing ball. Uh, Nothing makes people give up their principles like a fat check, right? Uh, But what about that $70 million price tag that that we just mentioned, right? Schools have discovered that they're going to have to pay back nearly $70 million to Fox, like $40 million for the 2026 Big Ten Championship game that Kevin Warren guaranteed to NBC – without the permission of Fox, who, as we just mentioned earlier, owns the rights to all the Big Ten games through at least 2030, and then another $25 million to Fox for the lost games during the COVID season. This whole thing is insane. Uh, the schools, coaches, and networks are also pushing back on some other things about the deal. Kevin Warren apparently didn't do a very good job communicating with the schools about the night game situation, or really anything at all. Right, Y'all remember when I mentioned that there were some things that would come out about how disastrous Warren's relationships with the schools actually were, right? Uh, the article states, historically in the Big Ten, after the first weekend in November, schools were not required to play night games for a myriad of reasons, health recovery and campus logistics among them. These were known in league circles as, quote, tolerances, and prior television contracts accounted for them. Uh, it says NBC was surprised and I was surprised Uh, said Michigan Athletic Director Ward-Manuel. We had not discussed, and I had not discussed with anyone in the league to change the tolerances we had agreed upon years ago. Uh, Coaches are also unhappy about the lack of transparency in the negotiations and the amount of games that will be available only on streaming. Now, that's mostly a basketball situation, right? You'll get the random Indiana Rutgers football game on Peacock, but there's going to be a lot more basketball games streaming on Paramount Plus, Peacock, linearly on on FS1. Remember, there's no ESPN here, so you're not going to get Michigan-Michigan State on Saturday afternoon on ESPN. College game day is not going to be making their way to Indiana-Purdue, you know, after uh, last season. Like, from from the article, it says this, Izzo added that he has concerns on the amount of games available only on streaming and said that would be among his first questions to Petiti as, quote, it was not discussed with us coaches at all. Uh, He said, those are some things I'd like to see with the new commissioner, that there's some transparency in working together. Uh, For our league to continue to grow and evolve in this new era, I think at the very minimum, the veteran coaches like Izzo and Purdue's Matt Painter should have a direct line of communication and a voice in the conversation. Now, here's the thing. If you think coaches have any say in realignment or in television contracts or whatever else, you'd be dead wrong. These guys get paid to coach ball wave to fans, you know, hop on weekly coaches shows, maybe do a couple of ads to try and sell some more season tickets. This stuff is at a way bigger level. This is the president of the school level. But I don't think that necessarily means that they're wrong, right? There should at least be some communication so these guys know what they're getting into. Like, I I am certain it is more difficult to recruit for Izzo and that bunch of basketball coaches today than it ever was before, considering ESPN is you know, the heart of regular season college basketball. But they're they're still going to be on somewhere, and those coaches are still going to get some fat paychecks, etc. We'll see what ends up coming out of this, but I got to tell you, it is certainly entertaining to see the mess that Kevin Warren has left here. Uh, The guy tried to cancel the 2020 college football season. He helped start the Alliance. He successfully blocked early college football playoff expansion. All that ended with him taking USC and UCLA from the Pac-12, who he had partnered with in the Alliance. He got a ridiculous TV contract, but in the process, again, has left a mess for the rest of the conference to clean up in the meantime. Like, Warren wanted to make college athletics more like the NFL, but this stuff does appear like the higher-ups are not as interested in, you know, the complete and total professionalization of amateur sports. I'm, I'm curious what they get. I know that the deal will get done. It will, it will get finished. Everything will be fine. But I, I'm just curious to see what Tony Petiti does. What is his relationship like? Uh, are you going to have, you know, coaches immediately running after him? ADs running after him? Is he going to try and cancel stuff over whatever may end up happening next? Uh, hopefully we don't have another pandemic anytime soon. But uh, the way that Kevin Warren handled things, I thought was, yeah, for, for lack of a better word. Uh, winning Cures Everything is brought to you by BetUS with fast payouts, fantastic customer service, a myriad of options to bet on, and an easy-to-use layout. It's easy to see why it's been America's favorite online sports book for nearly 30 years. And right now, they're going to give you $50 to play with with no deposit required just by signing up using the link in the description below. So take advantage of the deal. Get signed up over at BetUS where the game begins. Uh, look, college football regular season win totals are out along with Week 0 and Week 1 lines. And, hell, they got some game-of-the-year lines through the month of September as well. Uh, go and check out, of course, the, my How to Bet series over at BetUSTV.com. And, uh, and make sure and subscribe to the BetUS College Football Show on YouTube. Parker, Kyle, and I will be coming back uh, in June. In June for some early previews, about a month from now. So be on the lookout for that. Get signed up over there. Uh, sign, subscribe, signed up, whatever. All right. You guys know... Y'all know what topic we have to hit on every one of these shows. (laughs) What is the latest with the Pac 12? Are we almost to a boiling point? Now, we got a lot to discuss here. It's been a bit since I recorded a podcast. There's been a lot happening in the world of the Pac 12. Washington State made some news. Nebraska's president talked about dominoes falling in realignment. We got more information about the potential TV deal. A little insight into Oregon and Washington's plans, you know, more stuff about Kleovkov and the mess that, you know, Larry Scott left, et cetera. Let's, let's start here, okay? Earlier this week, Washington State President Kirk Schultz released a statement about Cougars' athletics financial issues and the challenges that they're facing in balancing the athletics budget. Now, the decrease in revenue distribution for Pac-12 universities due to overpayments from a conference media partner, Comcast, of course, I've brought up multiple times, uh, that's a significant factor, and, of course... <laughs> the relocation of the PAC 12 headquarters out of San Francisco, uh, that also exceed uh, exceeded budget projections. Apparently leaving the San Francisco office went over by $10 million because of the condition that the office was left in. Larry Scott completely rearranged the office space, did a lot of customization. Uh, and that, in- I mean, he, that included like a PAC 12 logo etched in glass outside his office, other things throughout the office space. Basically, According to the lease agreement, they had to leave the space in the same condition in which they rented it. But Scotts Bunch had done so uh, much—what's the word I uh, just—customization to it that you know it cost a fortune to get it back to standard. So that thing went over budget. Uh, But back to Washington State, this this was not all because of you know Pac-12 miscues, inadequate documentation of revenues and expenses in Cougar Athletics, that contributed to exceeding expenditures and immediate actions. Are going to be implemented for them, including you know a, a freeze on vacant positions, or at least a temporary freeze, uh, a pause on non essential travel, purchases, new professional development, all, all these things. The president did state that these fiscal measures will only impact athletics. It's not going to affect upcoming salary increases, uh, increases for WSU faculty and staff. But here's the thing Canzano and Wilner, of course, the most connected Pac 12 media guys, both stated that these overpayments from Comcast the ones that I've been talking about for a while, those should be paid back out of the school's endowments instead of the athletic departments because the presidents are the ones who allowed Champagne larry to go crazy with the conference money. Now, it doesn't appear that anything like that is going to happen, but regardless, Washington State has said they're going to be transparent with how they handle the financial issues going forward, but it's going to be a tough road to hoe. And, And it does give us a bit of an idea of what's coming with any potential television contract because if they thought they'd be getting a deal that's better than the Big 12s, as several Pac-12 sources have hinted at, then this would not be such a dire situation, right? Now, let's move on to the Cornhuskers. Of course, Ted Carter, Nebraska president. He was interviewed by Tom Chattel. I hope I say that right. Uh, Tom, if you're listening, my apologies if I said that wrong. Uh, But he's of the Omaha World Herald. And the president predicted big changes and realignment coming soon in college football. He mentioned that discussions are... Uh, they're happening, at least around realignment and whatnot. And there are many, you know, talks and behind-the-scenes actions that are taking place, while also he believes significant changes may take like a year or two to happen. This all makes sense, right? Uh, Carter said, how big should the Big Ten be? Uh, Do we need four more Pac-12 teams? I think we have another year or two of the status quo with few minor changes, but I think over the next year there's going to be a lot of big changes that are going to happen. Two teams that move from one of the Power 5 conferences that cause things to unravel. There's a domino effect. One team leaves the ACC. It has a domino effect. Same with teams leaving the Pac-12. Now I'll go ahead and tell you. I have heard more about the possibility of a super division, you know, a 48-team super division between the SEC having 24 and uh, uh, the Big Ten having 24. I, I've heard more in the past couple of weeks about that than I think I ever have before like the potential for ACC teams to leave and join either the Big Ten and the SEC, again, both having 24 teams, while the rest of college football just gets left behind. Or, you know, some of the remaining teams from those two conferences joining with the Big 12, it gives us a P2, a little one, and a G whatever. I mean, who knows at this point. But who who knows what this is going to look like going forward. But to hear another sitting president in the Big Ten acknowledge that expansion is, for all intents and purposes, inevitable, That really caught my ear this week. Uh, Now let's move on to the Pac-12 media rights negotiations latest. And don't you know that the New York Post's Andrew Marchand always has something that he's hearing. Uh, Marchand points out, as he has done before, that ESPN seems to be out of the picture at the moment. We've heard it many times, of course. I believe the quote was, there have been no substantive talks between ESPN and the Pac-12. Now, ESPN passed on deals with the Big Ten, NFL Sunday Ticket, the Premier League, Champions League, and the MLS. So, they're sticking by what CEO Bob Iger talked about on their recent revenue call about making smarter decisions with must-have programming. And the Pac-12 does not appear to fall into that category. Now, another interesting thing brought up this week regarding ESPN is the company's potential move to DTC, uh, that's direct-to-consumer. Eventually, ESPN is going to be just a streaming app. I believe we brought up on the show a few months ago about how ESPN wants to be the sports Netflix, basically a one-stop shop that allows you to access basically every single sporting event that's going on, hosting the streams inside their own app, even from other streamers like Paramount, YouTube TV, etc. You would still have to pay for the other streaming services. You could just access it through ESPN. Pretty smart, in my opinion. Maybe ESPN gets a portion of that. Who knows? Outside of that, the other interesting news from Marchand was that NBC, Amazon, and Fox Sports are also out of the running for the primary rights holders uh, of the Pac-12 media rights package. Now, NBC looked like the potential bidder here, you know, kind of putting some games on Peacock, some on NBC when Notre Dame doesn't have home games, others on USA Network. So this news is a little interesting, right? Because that was the thought. If ESPN's not in, well, NBC is going to save the day. But with Notre Dame's rights coming up and them still working, you know, in this primetime Big Ten deal, they don't appear to be all that interested in the Pac-12 either. Washington, Oregon, Arizona, Colorado, they are going to have some important decisions to make, you know, balancing the importance of exposure versus getting a paycheck. But at the same time, there might not be enough of either to justify staying in the Pac-12. It's it's very interesting. I've heard a lot about the CW and whatnot. Well, let's close out with this. Pete Dammel was on Pat McAfee earlier this week. He stated that Oregon and Washington have basically let it be known that they want to be in the Big Ten. Now, we do know that they met with the Big Ten a couple of years ago, last year, whatever it was, in Chicago, just to kind of go over the vetting process. That doesn't mean that they're going to get in. There's still a lot at play here. You know, the Big Ten, as we talked about, they got a lot on their hands right now. So so they're not looking to go poaching any other conferences currently. But I found that interesting that Tamil, excuse me, Tamil just talked about it. So matter-of-factly, because the rumors around the idea that Oregon and Washington don't want to sign a long-term grant of rights, that, that seemed to gain a little more of a foothold with this. Now, of course, without a TV deal, there's no reason for a grant of rights, but without knowing how long each school is willing to sign for, that kind of makes it more difficult to get a TV deal. Like, maybe Amazon wanted a longer deal than the Pac-12 could offer because of these schools. Like, who Who knows? At this point, right now, I have no idea what to expect out of this. I don't know that anybody does. Maybe the Pac-12 has an ace up their sleeve, but the clock is ticking. If they're wanting to expand, they likely need to do so before July 1. We've mentioned this on the show as well, because that's when San Diego State's Mountain West buyout basically triples. It's going to be in the $40-plus million dollar range after July 1. Right now, I think it's like $17 million, 16, something like that. Either way. There's been more talk about Apple and the CW lately. I can't even begin to act like I have a clue. This has been the most insane media rights negotiation that I can ever remember in college sports. A lot of people were talking about the the Colorado being close to joining the Big 12 rumors from earlier in the week. We've heard that for months at this point. If Colorado jumps ship, that may be all it takes for others to leave for greener pastures. If there are greener pastures out there, The issue with this realignment mess is that everyone's on different schedules, so it's tough to nail down when anything could happen. Like, members of the ACC and the Pac-12 joining together to create a different league? Uh, The Pac-12 would be ready to do that now. The ACC still may be 13 years away. Like, this stuff is so frustrating, and I cannot wrap my head around the fact that this is something that we're actually talking about. This is nuts to me, that the that, that the stuff that I'm talking about on this channel is so much more business-related than it is sports-related. It's, it's a little frustrating. It's a little frustrating. I'll say that. I'll say that. All right, let's continue on. USC AD Mike Bone. He resigned from USC last Friday. Ryan Cartgy, I hope I say that right, from the LA Times, reported that this was not just a health issue or a case where an AD wanted to retire to spend more time with his family. Bone resigned following internal criticism of his management of the athletic department. Now, apparently, he routinely made inappropriate comments about the physical appearance of female colleagues, leaving them feeling uh, uncomfortable, awkward, and despite confronting him about the inappropriate comments, they just continued. I mean, the athletic Stuart Mandel even mentioned on his podcast with Bruce Feldman, The Audible, this week that, that Bone had made some cringy comments about women to him in the past, And it was all within range where his secretary could hear him. Just ridiculous stuff. Several sources raised concerns about Bones management. Uh, Described him as a poor manager who missed meetings, who was absent from key events. He lacked direction and leadership. And apparently, two former USC coaches completely left the department due to Bone. Now, the idea that somebody could get out to L.A. and kind of lose their filter, start acting a little reckless, that's not crazy. Right, especially with the history of AD hires in LA, we have seen it before. You get out to LA, you start to think you're king of the mountain. The crazy part to me was that Bone's past conduct at Cincinnati was also questioned. Even before he was hired at USC, this stuff was apparently going on. He had allegations of unwanted physical contact with women and inappropriate comments about a colleague's sexual orientation that were apparently never looked into by USC. Like with all the issues that USC has had in the past with ADs. How in the world did they not fully vet this hire? USC has praised Bone's integrity. They credited him with transforming the athletic department into a national powerhouse, which looks foolish now, I guess. Don't get me wrong, like Bone is good at his job, but geez, this is ridiculous. Multiple women who interacted with him at, at Cincinnati described a hostile, anxious, and toxic workplace environment for women, and his departure from Cincinnati surprised some staff members who expected him to eventually leave, but not for USC, right? They expected him to eventually be fired. So he's out. President Folt at USC has announced an interim dream team in the meantime. Uh, Dr. Denise Kwok, the Trojans' current executive senior associate AD for student athlete development, uh, is going to act as the interim executive administrator. Uh, Joining her is going to be three figures from outside the university, in order to, quote, ensure USC continues to function seamlessly during the transition and complete its preparation for joining the Big Ten Conference. Uh, Folt, of course, wrote all of that. Uh, Those three individuals are former Penn State and Cal Athletic Director Sandy Barber, former Duke CFO and Deputy of Athletics Mitch Moser, and former Big 12 Commissioner Kevin Weiberg. Man, I got to tell you, USC's move to the Big Ten cannot come soon enough. Uh, I'm super curious what USC does next. Like, can they get this next one right? It's obviously it is looked at as a much better job now that they are heading into the Big Ten. So I don't think you have to worry too much about that. But it's been a disaster inside that athletic department for a long time now. I'm just very curious what the next step is going to be. All right. Quick reminder, hit that like button for me right there. Looks like this on your screen. Uh, make sure and subscribe to the channel. This is a one-man operation. I've told you guys this before. So every like, every subscribe, you know, podcast review, sharing it out with your friends, it's all going to help me out along with picking up something from the merch store. That would help as well. Uh, Moving along. Moving along. Has the ACC figured out a way to keep the league together? The board of directors have endorsed a new model, but what does it mean? Now, the board has endorsed a new revenue distribution model based on postseason performance. We've talked about this in the past, right? The success incentives are going to allocate a larger share of revenue from the revenue-generating postseason competitions uh, to participating teams. So basically... Teams that make the college football playoff or the NCAA tournament are going to make more money in this situation. Now, all other revenues, including from the current television contract, those are going to be continued to be shared equally among all of the ACC members. I suppose you got to keep things fair, right? Uh, The ACC has been discussing this new revenue distribution plan for quite some time to address the anticipated revenue gap between, you know, the ACC and the SEC and Big Ten which some estimate could be as much as $30 million per year in the future. ACC schools could be looking at being over $360 million behind each school in those conferences at the end of the ACC ESPN deal, which runs through 2036. I mean, these are mind-blowing numbers. You, You could, along with the fact that the SEC and the Big Ten are both up for new contracts before the ACC gets out of this ESPN deal. So you could be looking at you know, half a billion dollars behind certain schools, depending on how much this thing grows between now and then. Now, truth be told, this is a Band-Aid, right? They are hoping that the revenue from the new CFP deal is going to get their bigger brands closer to matching the SEC and the Big Ten and keep them from trying to break up the conference and the grant of rights. But what happens if Wake Forest or Pitt wins the conference? You know, like we saw in 2021. What happens when... Clemson or Florida State doesn't win the conference again, even though they're clearly the biggest TV draws in football. Like, we'll, we'll be right back in the same situation. The problem with the new revenue distribution model is that it still won't make up the difference. Like, per the story at ESPN, making the CFP could potentially add over $10 million in annual revenue for a team under the Success Incentives Plan, but most likely it's going to be somewhere between $5 million and $7 million, unless the next CFP deal is worth significantly more per participant, Right? Like, let's, let's get real honest here. The ACC is a dead conference walking right now. Right now, that grant of rights appears to be ironclad, but remember, we saw Texas and Oklahoma announce for the SEC in the summer of 2020 when they couldn't join until 2025. It cost them $100 million combined to leave the Big 12 a year early. Like, once we get into the early 2030s, which is not as far away as it feels, you're going to see somebody announce that they're leaving. Like, what What a weird college football world that we are living in. This is just... This is wild. Absolutely wild. Uh, moving along. The college football TV schedule for uh, for this season. It is starting to round into shape. Now, the reminder, this is going to be an odd year for ABC and ESPN. They won't have any Big Ten games. They can't put the SEC on ABC until 2024, so... The Big 12, Pac-12, and the ACC are going to get a lot more ABC national coverage than usual. Uh, the Pac-12 early season TV schedule is supposed to be announced sometime next week. We'll tackle that whenever we get to it. Uh, but let's roll through what we got week by week here. Uh, we'll start off in week one. you got Colorado at TCU. It's Coach Prime's debut going to TCU, who's coming off of a national championship appearance in year one under Sonny Dykes. That one's at noon Eastern time on Fox. you got West Virginia at uh, Penn State. 7:30 p.m. Eastern time on NBC. It's like one of those big time NBC night games uh, for the Big Ten. That's going to be a pretty cool one. That's a rivalry renewed there on Sunday. You got LSU and Florida State. That one's in Orlando. 7:30 p.m. Eastern time on ABC. Now we don't have a time on the Monday night game, but Clemson Duke. You know it's going to be a, a nighttime game for Labor Day, etc. Moving into week two, you got Tennessee State at Notre Dame. That's 3:30 p.m. Eastern on NBC. The only other game for that week that has a time announced along with the channel, Texas at Alabama, ESPN, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Week three, again, Notre Dame and their non-conference, well, all of their conference games are non They're their G5 game. Central Michigan at Notre Dame, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on Peacock. That's right, streaming only. So if you want to watch Jim McElwain go into, you know, Notre Dame Stadium, you're going to have to get the streaming service. Week 4, Ohio State at Notre Dame, that's a night game. 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC. I am certain it will do massive numbers. Iowa at Penn State, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS. Now, of course, this one is a night game on CBS because, that's right, CBS still has the SEC this year. So that 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time game is going to be an SEC game. Moving into week six, Texas, Oklahoma is going to be on ABC this year. Of course, one of the worst combined years for both of those programs means that Fox wasn't too worried about picking it up. ABC is going to have that one. Week seven, USC at Notre Dame. Another night game for NBC, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Heading into week nine, you got Pitt at Notre Dame. That's a 3.30 p.m. Eastern time game. Heading into week 10, Notre Dame at Clemson. We don't have a time yet. I'm going to guess that one's going to be primetime. That one is on ABC. Heading into week 11, Michigan State. They are playing at Ohio State at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on NBC. Again, primetime game, NBC. Uh, that's uh, one of those Big Ten night games. And apparently it is the latest game in November in Ohio State history, something along those lines. Uh, week 12, you got Wake Forest at Notre Dame. I'm sure everybody's going to be... Thrilled to watch that one. It's on NBC at 3:30 p.m. Eastern time, and then of course Rivalry Weekend, Week 13. You got Thanksgiving Night, the Egg Bowl, Ole Miss at Mississippi State. That's going to be 7:30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Lane Kiffin going up against Zach Arnett and crew. Penn State and Michigan State at Ford Field in Detroit. (laughs) Which is why do we do these things? Uh, It's 7:30 p.m. Eastern time on Friday. That one's on NBC. And then, of course, Saturday at noon, Ohio State at Michigan. That one's already been announced. It's on Fox. Uh, let's let's go ahead and do this. Let's talk about a few more things that you should know before we get out of here. McKinsey Melton is joining the Tennessee coaching staff as an offensive analyst. He played for Hyple at UCF. He had a monstrous 2018 season before he suffered an injury against USF that just completely derailed his career. Going to be interesting to see what he brings as an offensive analyst here. Uh, but he's, he's just trying to learn how to be a coach and whatnot. Obviously, he's not capable of playing up to the level that he was in 2017, 2018. But this will be interesting. They Obviously, they've got a good relationship. So he is making the move to Knoxville. Uh, we got a Georgia player speeding again. Wide receiver Marcus Roseme jack Saint. He was arrested on Tuesday for going 90 miles per hour through the middle of Athens. Just ridiculous. Now, we know about the fatal crash back in January that killed Devin Willick and uh, Stafford Chandler LaCroix. And then, of course, star defensive tackle Jalen Carter's role in that whole thing with his own speeding situation. But you also had inside linebacker Jamin Dumas-Johnson. He was charged with reckless driving and street racing for a separate incident six days before that January 15th crash. Uh, you got wide receiver Denylan Morissette. He was charged in uh, Oconee County with a DUI. He was driving too fast for conditions, et cetera. Like, this stuff just continues happening. I'm going to be really curious to see what Kirby Smart does to reel this thing back in. I can't, I've seen drug issues. I've seen, you know, lack of culture in a program, stuff like that. The speeding thing is new for me. Like, I don't know that I have seen, because you don't really hear about locker room issues at Georgia. You don't really hear about guys missing curfew and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know. This it, this one's strange. This one's strange to me. Uh, and also, I don't think that we mentioned it last week. Michigan State wide receiver Keon Coleman, he has transferred to Florida State. He fits that offense perfectly. He was one of the most productive receivers in the country, running all the routes that quarterback Jordan Travis throws the best. So that's, that's going to be a fun fit in Tallahassee. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Winnie Cures Everything. If you haven't already, Click the like button for me. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel and the podcast. Remember the goal. I'm trying to get to 10,000 subscribers this year. Uh, And also jump in the comments. I want to know what you think about everything that we discussed today. Make sure you get signed up over at BetUS. As always, if there's something you want me to talk about on the show, hit me up. It's at GaryWC on Twitter. Or you can email me, Gary at winningcureseverything.com. As I mean, you can always toss it in the comments a podcast review over at uh, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to get in touch with me. I'll say that. I hope you all have wonderful Memorial Day weekends. Until next time, take care of yourself, take care of each other, God bless college football, and hopefully, hopefully, all your betting tickets cash this weekend. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and follow me on Twitter, at GaryWCE. If you want to toss in a question, you can email me, Gary at WinningCuresEverything.com. Make sure and hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you next time.